The Sacred Changemakers podcast is supported by Coaches Business School, helping the world's most caring coaches build a purpose-driven and profitable business that makes a meaningful impact in our world. Check out their unique frameworks and methods to help you transform and grow your business. Now is the time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs. You can do well in business and do good, and together we can make a meaningful difference. Find out more at coachesbusinessschool.com. Hey, Changemakers, welcome back to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. Our guest today is Simon Severino. He's CEO of Strategy Sprints and host of the Strategy Sprints podcast. He's interviewed powerhouse entrepreneurs like Rita McGrath, David Allen, Neil Eyal, Perry Marshall, Vern Harnish, Brian Kurtz, and, and hundreds more on business productivity and growth. Now, Simon helps business owners in SaaS and services run their company more effectively, which results in sales that truly soar. He created the strategy sprints method that doubles revenue in 90 days by kind of getting owners out of the weeds. And he leads a global team of certified strategy sprints coaches that helps his clients gain market share through fast execution. Now, he's also a member of the SVBS, which um, is the Silicon Valley Blockchain Society. He enables cross-stage capital flows and helps minimize execution risks in technology startups. And, you know, his team is trusted by people like Google, Consilience Ventures, Roche, Amgen, AbbV, and hundreds of frontier teams from Silicon Valley. He's a TEDx speaker, and he's appeared on over 500 podcasts, and he writes for Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine about scaling digital businesses. So, you know, as you can hear here, Simon is super successful in the business world. And as you'll hear him describe, he works with energy and aliveness. The structures and the details of everything he does is simply in service of helping people operate from truth and enjoy more fun and freedom in their work, which when coupled with these winning structures helps companies to really grow faster than they can even imagine. Now, this was a truly enjoyable conversation for me. I felt like I was talking with a kindred spirit about the sacred within business. And you're going to hear Simon explain, this is a winning factor in today's business. It's those small details, the, the energy beneath the surface, if you like, that make a huge difference to how people feel about their work and how Simon wants people to enjoy what they do as individuals and as a team, working towards a shared quest, as he talks about. His energy and his enthusiasm is just palpable. It's so incredibly inspiring. I think you're going to learn a lot from Simon's perspective that you're going to be able to use in your career or your workplace or your business. So I'm really excited to invite you to the conversation to meet Simon. Okay, are you ready? Here we go. Hey, Simon, welcome to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm excited to be here. Oh, me too. I'm really excited to have this discussion with you because, uh, you know, after we first met, we had a conversation and I'm really excited to bring that conversation to our audience here because I think they're really going to love it. But before we do, Simon, you know, our listeners have just heard your professional bio and I'd love to kind of go beneath the surface of that bio and just begin by asking you something about the real life human that lies underneath. Who is he? 
So Simon Severino, I'm a husband, father of three, and I I did fall in love 20 years ago, 21 years ago, with the topic of how to enter a market and how to win in the market. And every day I've been showing up, being of service for those people who do this and who need this. So that's who I am. And the reason why I do it is I'm utterly unemployable. I couldn't do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I can only do what I'm here to do. And so I wake up in the morning. I have to do it. There, there is no other reason. And in every other context, I would be very unhappy and make everybody very <laughs> unhappy. So I create my own context. Right. Now, you said something really interesting there about how to enter a market and how to win. So if you've been doing this your entire career, how has that definition of winning changed over the years? Have you seen any differences in that? Yes, to so totally. Winning is for everybody something else, right? Everybody listening right now has a definition of winning. Why I did fall in love with it is not so much the content. That's for everybody. It's something else. The definition of success, the definition of winning is, is very individual, right? And if you have a team, you have different definition per team. So what I love about it is the energy. Is If you talk to somebody about their bookkeeping, they go, oh, yeah, bookkeeping. If you talk to somebody about, I don't know, washing dishes, oh, yeah, I have to wash dishes. But then you talk to somebody, what about doubling revenue? And they go, oh, yeah. <laughs> they light up. Now, finally, somebody's speaking to me. And that's what I like. I like to see this high frequency of people because people are capable of very, very high frequency. And so it's my mission in life to light them up. And not so much that I light them up, but when I see somebody, I see the potential. Mm. And so I see the high frequency already, even if they are just relaxed, I see their superpower. I see the potential. And so my way is, oh, I want to unlock that. And how, how, how can you do that, right? Because nobody can do that for another person. So I can only search inside of myself that place where I unlock my high energy, high frequency. And that gives them the permission to, to unlock theirs and then they unlock theirs and then they light up and this is for me why I do it and uh, and that's the the loop of energy that is there and so when I found 21 years ago that this topic lights people up I I went all right this is the one topic I will show up for every day the next 20 years mm. It's so interesting. As you're talking, you're talking about energy, you're talking about frequency, finding people's potential. All of these things are kind of like invisible in business. And they're not like the normal conversation that leaders that talk about winning have. So I love that you're speaking about this because it sounds almost like and one of the things we talk about here at Sacred Changemakers is this is not just a career for you. It's not just a business. It actually sounds like, it even sounds beyond purpose as you speak about it, Simon. It sounds like it's your your calling. Would you see it in that way? Absolutely. So it's 
it's the journey. It's enjoying the journey. I enjoy the very moment. Um, I'm, it's not dependent on the outcome. It's not dependent on what happens in 10 years. It's not dependent on winning or losing. It's, it's the act of asking what's the right thing to do and how do we do it in the best way. That excites me. And to do this with people and to give my best, that's what excites me. That's the energy of the here and now, actually, mm. with real people, with real concerns and with real stuff that they need to solve. And um, and it, it's funny that you say intangible because it's very tangible. You yeah. When you look at somebody and they their face lights up, you see that. Uh, you see it in children. Children go, go out there. I have a three years old and a six years old. So they are like, <laughs> it's not intangible. Everybody sees that. Everybody hears that. It's Italian children. Everybody hears that, even right. the neighbors. And so the neighbors go, oh, can, can you like discipline them? <laughs> and I said, I could, but why would I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how tangible it is <laughs> when somebody right. is is in their full potential, right? It's very tangible. If you have a team that's like, oh yeah, I'm going to work today. Um, if you have a meeting that's like, mm, no, no, no. or if you have a meeting where people go, Woo! how can we crush <laughs> it, right? How can we try this? Oh, can I try that? Hey, look at this. I think you can do that. Oh, catch this. So that's very tangible. You feel the energy in the room, right? And um, so to me, it's very tangible. It's much more real than other things. We are very numeric because we're business mm -hmm. coaches. So every seven days we measure marketing numbers, sales numbers, operations numbers. But those numbers to me are actually less real yeah. than the energy that I see in the room when they see their numbers go up. Boom. Now, now I see tangible, tangible stuff happening. And, um, and that's for me, it's very tangible. I see those, those teams, they're proud and they go high five. Yeah. 0 0.07 more than last week. Yeah. That's for me is very real. <laughs> wow. Now I know you get incredible results for your clients. And I know that you, you make promises like you'll double people's revenue within 90 days. So I, I know that the change makers listening are going to be really interested in that. They're probably doing their own high fives right now. So I'd love to just get a sense of like, you know, how how do you do that? How can you make those claims? Because, you know, it's quite unusual to see that kind of a claim. Well, not to see it, but then for, for a company to actually deliver on it in this tangible way. Is it this frequency, this potential, this energy that's your secret here, Simon? <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's much easier than it sounds because most people have a very complicated approach to business. And we have a very simple approach to, to business, very direct. It's, uh, it's, it's based on truth and freedom. These are very two very simple things. It's very direct, it's very transparent. It's three numbers, three goals, and weekly truthful looking at it. And then maximum freedom in how people get there. So there are three things that you can do if you wanna double your revenue. And they are not that hard. You need to increase by 25% three things. The frequency of your sales, the conversion rate, and the price that you charge. It's not that hard. Each one of those can be done in three months. There is exactly eight activities each that need to be done. And we have the blueprints ready so people get done much faster. 
And then the rest is how do you build? So that's the content, right? So it's not really hard. And then the rest is how do you build a an atmosphere that is conducive to that? So mm-hmm. let's think of what do teams need in order to be in flow, mm-hmm. in peak state or in flow state, like uh, Michael Csikszentmihalyi really uh, researched very well, and it's in his book Flow. So. One of the elements that they need is a common quest. He doesn't say quest, but I say quest because if you look at teams that are like meh energy, like I'm going to work. When they go home in the evening, some of them, they light up in the evening when they play online games with other people. They go like, oh, give me three Red Bulls because I need to stay awake three more hours. <laughs> Let's order some pizza because I want to continue. I'm in this quest. I have almost finished the quest, whatever the quest is. I'm not a gamer, but you see them so passionate, so involved because they are in flow. So one element is that everybody has one quest together. And so if you think of these online games, they... They play together as a team. They have one quest, which is let's get from this level to that level, or let's enter the castle, or let's, uh, I don't know, save the princess. I guess that <laughs> that's, tells you how old I am, right? So there is some form of quest that they have together, and then they have quick real-time communication around it, and everybody knows their role. Mm-hmm. So one one is in, 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 the, in front exploring stuff, Another one is, I don't know, shooting. And another one is healing everybody who gets shot. So everybody knows their role. And that's another moment uh, of that enables flow for them. Then there is the real-time communication that you can tag anytime very quickly and say, I'm going left. Do you go right? Okay. So real-time communication. And then the next thing is the feedback loop to feel the impact of what you are doing. So you do something. And then it says, you unlocked this. And so, for example, when you play Angry Birds, you shoot the bird. It says 500 points. You shoot the bird again. It says 600 points. What do you want to do next? Yeah. You want to shoot again and go for 800. That's human nature. Because Csikszentmihalyi would say there is this immediate feedback loop about your impact. So it's activity and impact is one instead of you do something and then you wait one month Mm. for three committees to send you a report. (laughs) There is no energy in that, right? Right. But if you do something and you immediately get feedback, it's working. Then you want to do more. You get energy back. That's the energy loop. And so the way we have created the sprint, which is a 90 days coaching program, is there are daily habits, weekly habits, and monthly habits. And they, the reason is to create all these loops. So you do things, but you immediately get your reality feedback. Hey, you're doing this, and this is working. You're doing this, this is not working. So let's do more of this, less of this. How does it sound? And they go, oh, yeah, cool. How simple you make it sound, honestly, (laughs) you really do. And yet I understand that underneath it, there is some structure that actually holds all of this in place. But I, I love how your structures are in service of the energy. They're in service of that atmosphere 
which really we're not just talking about the doing here. What I'm hearing as an underlying assumption is it's who are we being and becoming in service of the doing? Is that how you'd explain it? Yes, there is science behind it. Uh, INSEAD has done um, research on what's the culture behind teams that is conducive. And they say, if you want collective action, and five people is already a collective, okay, three people is already a collective in this definition. If you want collective action, you need collective emotion first. Mm. And now where does collective emotion come from? From what you are doing, the quest, from being connected to each other, from feeling and getting that feedback that what you are doing is actually helpful and it's 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 improving somebody's life or it's improving something for somebody. Those are the three main loops. And that's all very emotional. I'm Italian. I'm an emotional person. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and when you measure those numbers, I don't care so much about the numbers, personally. Teams do. That's why we collect those numbers. <laughs> But what I care about is when they see that number going up slightly, 0.2% went up from last week. They go, oh, yeah, it's working. I know now that I have found something that works. And I think the mental thing behind it is I never know. I'm doing stuff, but I never know. And so when you get that feedback, all right, you wrote this copy and that copy wrote three people to click and of these three people who clicked two of them bought your product Mm. now they go oh i found something and that's an energetic release that it's clarity all the fog of not knowing is gone you know for a second something and you are super proud because you did something and we're talking knowledge workers here mainly knowledge workers as a knowledge worker you write you write you write and it, you, you don't know if anybody's reading it. You you create a video and you don't know if somebody's watching it. Right. So that creates a ton of emotions, negative emotions, uh, loneliness, uh, meaninglessness. Um, that's that's low energy, and um, it it can it can eat you up. So when you do something and then you get the feedback, oh yeah, people are taking it. It's working. It's helpful. That changes everything. And that's why we have these loops as small as possible. That's the sprint method mm-hmm. in strategy sprints. And and every seven days, whatever the team does, there is a feedback loop from the outside to the inside. It's not the team telling itself, pat in the back. Great. Right. It's really the, the user or the people who they are here to serve. And they are telling, yes, this is helpful. This is working. I want more. And and we are all about those loops and we call those systems. It's a system when you have quality control loops, self-correcting loops, self-improving uh, loops. That's that's a system. And that's where, why we are so passionate about systems and habits and checklists and blueprints. Um, to me, this is super helpful stuff. And I can see how, like, incredible that must be because you know you know as coaches we often talk about the one percent effect like you just need to be one percent better tomorrow than you were today and then that compounds over time I can just imagine with these smaller like feedback loops 
people start to see the like micro movements and then they compound into like real tangible results that perhaps they couldn't even have imagined before working with you. So I love that. And I can see how it really builds energy. And I'm going to say something a bit, a little bit left field here. I can see how it almost creates the we of the team in a much stronger way, almost putting so here's what I'm going to say, the soul back into what everybody's doing, because they understand. It's like now there's a soul in the business. And because you mentioned the freedom, right, truth and freedom, right, there's freedom for the team to be able to find their way of achieving the results that you're saying. So I love that. I really do. So here's my question, because it's really interesting talking to you about this and, and like the energy of business here and how you're harnessing that in really, I would say, unusual ways, um, but getting incredible results for your clients. And what I'd love to get a sense of is because for me, as you're talking, this feels like the role of business in our society to be able to create positive energy for the people that work in the business, for the people that come and like, you know, shop or, or, or consumers or customers of the business. Isn't this what business is for? I mean, what's your view of the role of business in society, Simon? Yeah, so I I, I wouldn't uh, wake up <laughs> and, and and do anything if it's not linked to meaning and to improving something. That's right. to me, it would be just too boring. And you can create a ton of money, but that doesn't excite me. Right. <laughs> so that's just, okay, then go directly, rob a bank if you're interested in money. It's faster, right? So it's that's not why we do business. Uh, I think business is an energetic exchange. Uh, and in the end, what we really exchange is understanding and love. And love in business is is caring, uh, deeply caring, so the listening well, understanding where the other person is, um, caring about each word that you use and each word that you omit, uh, about each behavior that you do and if each behavior that you avoid because you're respectful, because you're seeing the other person in their uniqueness. I think that's the love part in business um, because in every moment you can decide, right? Do I use this word or that word? And we know that it makes a difference for people. Like, for example, I see people, they meet each other and then I say, oh, yeah, how did you find that? And they don't know the surname of that person. Right. <laughs> and I go, how, how present can you be if you don't know the name of that person, right? <laughs> so sometimes we can go through life on autopilot and then just you know repeating our patterns or we can be present and and full of understanding and full of love in that moment and that's for me that's the interesting part and you can call that business you can call that spirituality you can call that whatever you want but that's it. that's what interests me and that's what i would do anyways now, if that is also conducive to, to living a fulfilled life on, on, on every level, also on the economic level, welcome. Mm. It's great because, you know, in many ways, this 
I will say, for me anyway, I'll speak for myself, this is not a normal conversation to be having with a very successful business leader that's taking, you know, global brands and different organizations to like incredible, like growth and scale. But I love how you're bringing this in because I think it's so important particularly today in the marketplace and and everything that's shifting and changing around today. And, um, you know, I'd love to get a sense because I'm getting a real like visceral sense of you and what's important to you. But in terms of your business and what you're doing, I mean, what is it in service of for you? Is it just about being the change maker within as you've described yourself as? Or is there a vision of the world that you're also trying to impact? I mean, what's your sense of that? What's it all about for you, Simon? For me, the question is right here, right now, how can I put my resources in in, in service? Right? Mm. And so the people around me are mostly uh, unemployable people like me who have started <laughs> something. So I right. mostly hang out with entrepreneurs because <laughs> they they vibrate with me, right? And so right. and and so I'm I'm getting called mainly by Californian entrepreneurs and European entrepreneurs and some Asian entrepreneurs, and then they tell me, oh, Simon. Uh, my sales is not working. I need help. Um, my my marketing is not fun. I need help. Uh, I, my clients they they don't stay long with us. They leave after a couple months. They are not super happy. What can I do? So this is what they ask for. And um, in that moment, I want to be of service because I'm I feel with them. I know all of these problems because I have them myself. Right. Um. I think. The the main difference is that I have more fun solving them, <laughs> and so <laughs> and so and and we are good, really good as a team, to to also save and learn from these solving problem solving processes. And so we have now a ton of processes. It's two hundred seventy four documented processes, and we share those processes because many things you can you can take from from proven processes. You know, like. If you want to cook Ayurveda, you don't have to reinvent Ayurveda. It's five principles. Everybody can teach you those. And then you cook Ayurveda style. So it's much better if you receive the process and then just use the process. Then if you have to reinvent it, it takes you 4,000 years. So that's that's why we, we like processes and that's that's why it works. But really... Those are vital questions, and that's why I can always be of service because it's never boring. Sales questions are never boring. It starts with, uh, am I talking to the right people or to the wrong people? Oh, but someone, but I have to talk to these people. Really, do you have? So you see people, that's a freedom problem. They think they have to do stuff because that's how other people do stuff. I'm excited already. I see the potential. Hey, you can let go of that, uh, of that mindset. What What if we try a different mindset? And they go, Oh, really? I can. Well, yeah, yeah. Let's do it right now. So I play the client, and I play another client. So we make a role play, and now you see immediately that they let go of some limitations, and they find much more uh, alive way, much more ways that are much more true to them to do sales. And now they say, Oh. I thought sales must be like that, and this is how you do it. And 
But now I realize it's not like that. It's just me bringing my magic to the world. And now and I can be playful. I can find my way of doing sales, my way of doing marketing. And now it's a whole different game. Now it's fun. Now it's you can now it's self-development in action. Mm-hmm. The the, the difference is you don't go to a retreat somewhere in the woods. And then when you come back, you hope that you remember all those things. <laughs> right. You are in the woods. The woods, you know, because what do you do after you come back from the spiritual awakening? What do you do? You have to do wash the dishes, do your <laughs> right. job, do everything yes. else, right? Yeah. And so in that moment, you hope that you still have it there, this clarity and this knowledge. And so that's why we say, hey, let's do it directly in the business. You have to sell something. What is it that you that you can offer? What is it that you bring to the table? How can you be best of in service of that? How can you go a little bit above your comfort zone and share a little bit more of that and go a little bit more into their world? Risk a little bit because then you will grow more. You will learn more and you can reuse that with the next client. So these are the topics that we are passionate about. And that's what happens in the coachings. And then a byproduct of that is all the blueprints because what helps them can help others. So we save it. We put it in the Sprint University. When the next um, client comes, they have even more uh, processes ready. Right. Right. Fabulous. And I'm hearing you hinting here a little bit of like, and we've already talked wildly about energy in business and the vibration and the atmosphere and now I'm hearing you start to talk a little bit about spirituality in business and I know you and I have had a conversation about this and so uh, one of the things we talk about here at Sacred Changemakers is we kind of play with this word sacred and you know the sacred in business and I'd love to get you to riff on that a little bit because you know is there a place for sacred in business because I know a lot of people kind of don't allow it don't think there is a place for it and the conversation that you and I have had just to share with the listeners so they get a bit of context is you know I was we were talking about the fact that there is this fear around bringing like soul and sacred and this kind of language into business because people see it as kind of woo woo and a, a bit less tangible and therefore we could lose our credibility if we do that so what's your sense of that Simon? I think the best teams they they make sacred spaces and they pick things and say, this is sacred for us. Those are actually the best teams. So you might like it or not like it. And that's the problem when you say sacred, it, it's you start judging things. Mm. And so from the outside, you might now get polarization. But it's really important as a team that you define what is important to you. Uh, for example, to me, it mad- truth matters and freedom matters. That to me, it's sacred. You touch that and you lose me. Um, and many teams, they say, this is sacred for us. For example, uh, Amazon, for many years, when they were hard, harshly critiqued, everybody said, this is never going to happen. This is never going to fly. This is this, this is nothing. This internet thing, forget it. People will never buy things on the internet. And in that time, um, they kept serving their vision, their mission. And they said, um, we will 
have some sacred rules about, they, they didn't call it sacred, but they said, we only have a specific type of desks that are as cheap as possible because we want to deliver in the most efficient way. So everything in service of the logistics, nothing in service of our comfort. That was a strong decision. You can call it values or culture, right? They call it the code of conduct or something like that. They don't call it sacred. But you pick one thing, one decision, one behavior, and you say, this is so important. This transmits who we are. And the most successful teams do that because they they explore, hey, who is it that we are and what do we stand for? And then they materialize it in specific behaviors. So when I say, to me, truth is sacred, I am deeply... So if I see somebody on my team, they talk to somebody and afterwards they don't know their name, I become a volcano a volcano <laughs> because that's the basic of caring right and so sometimes it happens and then okay let's remind each other what is important to us it's to me it's important every single word and every, it's important that we really care and it is not okay to to brush over things uh when you think when you write an email and you think about this word or this word is this really a word that is conducive to truth and freedom is there really a word that has maximum aliveness or are you using a word just because everybody uses a word so for example uh somebody wrote leads how do you generate leads this makes me a volcano have you ever called one of your friends a lead? Right. Have you ever seen a person who is a lead? There is nothing like that. It's a stupid word uh, that I don't know who invented in a very mechanistic um, uh, mindset. And now they are using it for people. <laughs> people are no leads. And so when I when somebody writes an email and says, oh, this is how you generate leads, I go, stop. Which word is really expressing what we want to say? What do you want to say? You want to say there are people and some of those people might be interested in something. Then call it interested people. Yeah. So this is something where I get really, really detail-oriented. And then somebody from the outside, be, oh, but that's not sacred. It's just a word, right? No, no, it's not a word. To me, it is sacred how we use words. Because behind the word, there is a thought, and behind the thought, there is an intention. It's how we look at the word. Mm. So and, we pick some things and we make them sacred. And it, it's, it's so interesting because one of the things we talk about is bringing the humanity back into business. And you're doing that very organically in your own way here, because of course, business is about people. It's about relationships. And yet when I look out 
into the world, into organizational life. And whether I'm looking at corporate organizations, I think entrepreneurs are a little bit of a different breed. But, um, you know, in in organizational life, and I am just going to kind of generalize for a minute, you know, it sometimes it's hard to see the humanity in there. But what you're talking about here is bringing it back, is like, is is not tolerating any of this mechanistic kind of like treating people like machines where the shoulds are really at the top of the performance, you know, appraisal list. Um, you're really helping people to not only find themselves in their own roles, but have some kind of meaning and respect and, you know, compassion, love, as you're talking about it in the business. And I see that when I look to the future of business, for me, that's what I hope the future of business looks like. Um, and I just wonder for you, because it just it's almost like the water you swim in, Simon, as you're talking about this. You know, it seems so natural to you. But in terms of is that how you would describe it? Is it about the humanness? Is it about that? Or is it something else for you? To me, it's in, in this moment, what is the word that describes best what we want to convey? And so... Right. In the moment, we use words and we use, you know, behaviors. Right? And these are the, the main two decisions because in the end, we are knowledge workers and we serve people so that they can run a better business so that when they come home, uh, they are a better father, a better mother, better spouse, somebody to, who is more fun to be around or is, right. again, fun to be around because they're not so stressed anymore uh, via the business. So in that moment... What are the choices? I can use this word or another word or no word at all. And another one is I can decide to do this or do that or do or do nothing. So these are the moments that I look at because that's in my influence. And that example with leads is something that happens often. But there are many of those words that people use in business. And I would really love to be able to be more aware of the, you know, the the model behind the words. So one of my heroes is um, Buckminster Fuller, mm. and he said, "If you want to change reality, you don't fight the reality; you lose. You change the model upon which reality is based." And if it's a better model, people will start using the new model. And when people use the new model, they change reality. Now, that sounds maybe a bit theoretical. But I think when you say lead, you have a specific model in your head. It's a mm -hmm. funnel. You are putting objects in the top <laughs> of the funnel. Some <laughs> objects fall through the funnel. At the end, you have one object. And in the beginning, you have many objects. So it's a very mechanical picture. Yes. Instead of that, you change the model and now it's real people. And when you think of real people, your kids, your friends, etc., everything changes. The way you talk changes. Your heart gets bigger. Your, your tone of voice changes. You have more love when you talk to them. You talk maybe slower because you want them to understand. <laughs> you make sure that they did understand before you move to the next thing. You see, everything changes automatically because you have changed the model. And so we don't call it a sales funnel. We call it a festival. 
We don't call them leads. We call them interested people. (laughs) (laughs) I love it because one model feels like there's not much energy there. It feels flat. And then to use your word, the other one's alive. It's like a living, I mean, we we talk about this as, as consultants and coaches, a living system right but it's alive and i hear that aliveness when you speak about this as opposed to this so i just want to honor and applaud that because it just makes me smile so much knowing you're out there really i'm going to call you an energy worker i mean i know your your flagship book and your your work is all revolving around strategy sprints but goodness me simon it's so much more than that it's a vehicle for is. aliveness in yeah. the business, isn't yes. it? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and so when when I am frustrated because I see like a, a word, etc., and I and I feel out of balance, I go, all right, what can I do right now to restore my aliveness within? Yes. And usually it's either an action or a word that I can use now, and then I go with that word. And so instead of funnel, I find festival inside of myself. I go, oh, let's call it festival. Or for example, uh, our team was discussing, Simon, let's do a webinar. I say, I will never do a webinar in my life. This (laughs) sounds like the most boring and the the least alive thing I could think of doing a webinar. I would never visit a webinar. Why should I host a webinar? And and then they go, okay, really? So, but how do we call it? And then, so how do we want it to feel? And so what would you do with your kids? And they go, I would go camping. Let's call it a camp. So it's a sales <laughs> camp. Okay, let's do a sales camp. And now every 14 days we have a, an event. It's called a sales camp. Fabulous. If you would <laughs> do that with your kids, then do this with your guys. Because, you know, you would never do with your kids something that doesn't feel aligned for you, doesn't yes. feel alive, doesn't feel nurturing. Amazing. I want to thank you so much. And I'm really noticing the time here. So I just want to ask you one final question, which is just simply this, you know, uh, if there's something you wanted to share with our audience that we haven't managed to get to, you know, maybe it's a few words of wisdom to leave with them with, maybe it's some advice, what might it be? I would never listen to any advice. So I don't give advice. (laughs) But I wish, I wish that, uh, you listening right now might remember um, that whatever you're looking for is inside of you right now. There is nothing missing. And if you feel that the moment is not great, then look inside of yourself for that aliveness. And when you find it, act upon it. So that's that's what I do. If if I don't feel great right now, then I'm, I'm disconnected from my own aliveness. I go quickly inside of myself. What would I, what would I find more alive right now? And then, and then when I found that, I have the courage to try it. And then I use that word instead of that word, or I propose something. That's how I do it. Um, and I hope, I hope you can remember uh, that so that you keep rolling. Because at the end, I think it's about keep rolling, keep showing up, keep sharing what you have to share. I love that. Simon, thank you so much for stopping by the Sacred Changemakers podcast. I have really enjoyed our conversation. I've taken so many insights from it myself, and I know our listeners will have done too. So thank you so much, my friend. 
Thank you, Jane. It was fun. And everybody keep rolling. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, guys. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Before we go, I want to remind you that all of the resources and links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. And a big thank you to Coaches Business School, who are our podcast sponsors and our extended community who are helping us to make a global impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all visible on our website. And if you're looking for more soul in your life and business, if you have a sense that you too have a calling, maybe you're here to make a bigger impact or simply connect with others on your change-making journey. If our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. Again, you can find out more at sacredchangemakers.com. So for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your intention and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.